Zakepe dishes in front, another sliding head saved by Flurry, this time to his right. Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here is a left wing opportunity, Lizana sliding head saved, Robin Lerner, what a stop. From the Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, and live at LVSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Hour number two rolling right along here on a Friday afternoon. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman, VGK Insider Show. And so we decided today that since this is our last show for a little while, we would go to you. We would find out what you wanted us to answer before taking this hiatus. We open it up. It's it's legitimately an ask us anything type of situation we put it out on twitter of course you can follow me on twitter at ryan hockey guy you can follow chris chapman on twitter at magnum 702 and you could also follow fox sports lv on twitter if you are so inclined to keep up with all the breaking news when it comes to the golden knights but again we wanted to hear from you what questions you had for us and i'm going to turn it over to chris chapman this is the scariest thing i think i've ever done in terms of my history on the radio. I am turning the reins over to Chris Chapman to go through the thread to pick out the best questions, and we will try to answer as many of them throughout the course of this hour. So this might be the worst mistake of my life, but Chris (laughs) Chapman, the floor is yours. Let's get to these questions. Okay. Well, I'll start with, uh, I I think it's a, a a big question I think a lot of fans actually have and uh, Knights fan for life answer or asks is Eichel really a consideration considering his questionable health I'm no doctor but issues with the discs in your neck doesn't sound like a very good gamble especially for the kind of money he's demanding he's actually under contract but and the assets that would have to be given up to make it happen so Ryan I will give you the floor is Jack Eichel Mm -hmm. really a consideration for the Golden Knights So I think there's a couple of ways to look at it. Number one, Jack Eichel is an elite number one center in this league. Those types of players do not grow on trees. Now, is he Connor McDavid? No. Is he Leon Dreisaitl? I don't even think he's that player. But when you look at Jack Eichel, I think surrounded with the right talent, i.e. surrounded with players that are good, and then you you factor in just kind of getting away from Buffalo, getting out of that organization, getting into a team that's probably just a, a little bit different, understanding what it takes to win. Uh, I think you can find enough reasons to talk yourself into Jack Eichel. I believe that if he was on this Golden Knights team and if he was centering a line with Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone, Jack Eichel is a 100-point player in the league, period, end of story. And If you have the opportunity to acquire that, I think you look at it and you say, yes, that is something that we should do. That is a way to improve your team. Now, all that being said, the the concern over Jack's health is certainly a valid one. Now, if you are a team acquiring Jack Eichel, you do not you do not sign off on a trade 
until you take a look at the medical records. You do not sign off on a trade until you understand all of the intricacies of what a rehab plan looks like versus what a surgery plan looks like. And you do not sign off on a trade until you are sure that this is the type of player that you can acquire and you are confident in their ability to rehab and be back to the player that they were before they got hurt. If that is a question at all, if you are not able to see those medical records, if you are not able to confirm a plan of action with a doctor, then I don't think you make that trade. And, and I'm not sure where things stand in terms of teams requesting that from the Buffalo Sabres and whether or not that information has become privy to teams that are interested. But until you know exactly what type of player you're going to get and what that recovery plan looks like and you're confident in his ability to return to the player he was, I don't think you make that deal. Yeah, that's kind of where I am. I think I think Knights fan for life actually kind of answered their own question when they said that the discs in your neck, they don't sound like a good gamble. Yeah, obviously, I think anytime you have a player who has a serious injury that involves the neck or the back, it's something that you're going to be very, very concerned about. Vegas would have to give up a lot, and they would have to take up a lot of salary in order to do so. But to kind of go back to something you said about you think he would be a 100-point guy if he played in between Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty, you look at his points production, and every year in the league, it went up. His rookie season, he had 56 points. He had 57 the next year, 64, 82, 78 in the shortened season. So he played nine games less than he did in uh, the year before. But he was only four points behind. So hard to imagine that he wouldn't have surpassed that if they play a full season. And then obviously this year, we'll throw that out because he only played 21 games. But even in the 21 games, he had 18 points. So he's almost a point a guy or point-of-game guy, even yep. in a season where he was he was clearly not healthy. So I think if you have the assurance that he's 100%, I think it's a no-brainer. But obviously with him not being 100%, I think it's something that you probably don't pull the trigger on. And I don't see this organization willing to take that gamble because if it doesn't work out, you're really up the creek without a paddle. Yeah, and, and I think cost is important here. Now, for the Golden Knights, to in order to make a Jack Eichel trade work, you have to move in the ballpark of, of 12-ish million dollars in salary. Now, that all being said, uh, the news of Alex Tuck being uh, being injured to to start the regular season, LTIR, that exists. Maybe that is, is not so big of a, of a roster piece coming out the other way, just in terms of money to make it work. But I, I look at you know, a potential Jack Eichel trade, and you, you have to ask yourself questions about the players that you would be moving in order to bring in a player like Eichel. And I think the longer this goes for Kevin Adams and, and the, the more we drag into the summer, I think the lower that price is going to be for Kevin Adams because I, I think a lot of teams understand that the sooner you get and the closer you get to training camp next year, if Jack Eichel is still with the Buffalo Sabres and you know it's a player that doesn't want to play and you know that if he's still set on surgery, that once you make that trade, you're not going to have Jack Eichel available to you next year if that's the course of action that he takes. Um, that price is just going to keep going lower and lower and lower. And I, I just I wonder if this is a situation where there's two or three teams that are interested and they're just continuing to wait out and wait out and wait out Kevin Adams until he says, okay, the deal you have, that's fine. And if it doesn't cost you 
a bunch of different players. If you can get away with some of the ass that we've seen already out there on a Jack Eichel trade, I think it's a no-brainer. But again, the health has to be something that you've checked into and you believe will be able to be worked through so that Jack can be the player that you expect him to be. The name or the team that keeps popping up to me, in at least in my mind, they have the space. It's the biggest media market in the country, and that would be the New York Rangers. I think if anyone is sure. gonna gonna take a bite, I think it's gonna be them. I mean, yep. if, if if he's healthy, the thought of him playing with Artemi Panarin, it's it's terrifying. I think for a lot of teams that would have to play the Rangers in their division, but I could see the Rangers doing it. I'm not sure who else because I my gut tells me when they do pull the trigger, it's going to be a team that plays in the Eastern Conference. But I don't think Buffalo wants to trade him to the Rangers for obvious reasons, right? It, it, it That's the yeah. worst place for the Sabres to trade him, but it might be the only place the Sabres could trade him. So um, we'll have to keep an eye on that. But but um, I think there, there, there's there's some, some real interesting questions, but one that, that came across from Kevin Ioli, who's actually a very good friend of ours. He's a writer with Yahoo Covers the Fight Game. And he's a big VGK fan. He's also a big Marc-Andre Fleury fan because he came from Pittsburgh. So he's a big, big flower fan. But uh, ask us, given the VGK are still over the cap and have to sign Patrick, at least one more forward has to go. His assumption is it's going to be Carrier, or do they do something big? Okay, so right now as it stands, and, and this was a question that came in before we got the news on Alex Tuck, the Golden Knights shouldn't have to do anything in terms of moving a player out right now because we would imagine that Alex Tuck will be in recovery and, and will still be recovering from his shoulder surgery. So we would expect him to be on LTIR to start the season, which would make the Golden Knights right now cap compliant, unless that Nolan Patrick contract is, is going to be in the $4 million range. I, I don't expect that to be the case. So I don't think the Golden Knights are going to have to worry too much about having to make an additional move. I think this is essentially what the lineup's going to look like. This is what the team's going to look like come training camp next year with Dylan Coughlin signed to a new contract and Nolan Patrick signed to a new contract. Now, as to do I expect the Golden Knights to do something big, I think we're always expecting the Golden Knights to do something big. This is an organization that has gone for the big swing more often than not in regular in, in uh, during the trade deadline and in free agency. So I think that there's kind of, at least earlier on in the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, as, as news broke about Marc-Andre Fleury being traded, and then into Wednesday, the opening of free agency, there was a belief that I held that there was still something yet to come. Now, with the information that Alex Tuck's going to be out, uh, I, I understand the moves, I think, a little bit more from Kelly McCrimmon as free agency started. Uh, as it stands right now, I don't think the Golden Knights are going to do anything big. Now, you should probably bookmark that. You should probably turn that into a promo for when something big eventually happens. When it happens, to make me when, look when they do do something ridiculous. big. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But as it stands right this moment, knowing that the Golden Knights don't have to do anything else now to be cap compliant, I think that this is essentially what the Golden Knights are going to look like come training camp next year. Yeah, I think you're right. I think with the news of Alex Tuck, I think it, it, it makes him compliant for the time being. Now, obviously, once he comes back, 
you'll you'll have to make some decisions, but you don't know how the course of a season is going to work out. There may be something else that comes up where they're able to find some cap space before they have to well, uh, before before Tuck comes back. And to that point, like it's not necessarily that if Tuck is ready to come back, you have to make a trade. We have seen throughout the regular season, uh, through through four seasons now with the Golden Knights, you cannot predict injuries. You cannot predict when or if someone is going to be able to get through an entire season completely healthy. You have no idea what the Golden Knights' outlook is going to be when Alex Tuck is ready to come back. It might be a, a simple situation where another injury occurs and that opens up enough, uh, enough space for Alex Tuck to be activated. All those things are, are still up in the air. It doesn't necessarily mean that the Golden Knights are going to have to make a trade once Tuck is ready to be activated. That's just one of those wait-and-see type situations. Yeah, the cap gymnastics will be full, in full effect, I think, come February, March. This is a really interesting question Probably. that I'm going to throw at you because I, got, I, I went to my mother's house this morning. I, I dropped something off, and I got an earful. And Caitlin Grunberg asks us... <laughs> How do you think these my mom was the same way so so Caitlin you are not alone but she asks us how do you think these big trades of very well liked fan favorite players will affect morale when fans get back to the fortress or do you think fans just need time for shock to wear off So that's a really good question um if I'm being perfectly blunt I don't think it's going to affect morale in any way shape or form like when when game one comes around next year, opening night against Seattle, that place is going to be packed and it is going to be rocking. And it is going to be packed and it's going to be rocking game two, game three, all the way through game 82 because I just think this this fan base, I know on Twitter and I know that because these trades are big and emotional and raw right now, it really feels like or it's easy to say I'm done I'm, I'm done I'm not doing this I'm not doing that I don't care I'm telling you right now when we roll into next season that building is going to be packed the fan base is going to be ready to go and excited at the opportunity of getting to chase another Stanley Cup and and I just don't think that there's going to be much of a well, they traded Marc-Andre Fleury, so I don't care. I'm done. I, I don't think that's going to happen next season with the Golden Knights. I, I really don't. I think fans are going to take some time. They're going to get away from it for a little bit, and they're going to come in next season ready to go. Yeah, and, and that's what I tried to explain to my mom. My mom was very upset. She says, first they trade Fleury, and now they trade Ryan Reeves. I can't believe it. I'm so upset. I said, Mom, yeah. it's it's okay. It's it's a business. This, especially in hockey, this isn't like other sports. A lot of times, where you where you see guys stick around for six, seven years with one organization. Uh, but I mean, it's 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 tough. I I think there will be a certain portion of the fan base that are are so upset that it will take some time for them to come back. But what's the old saying? Winning is the cure for all. So I think as long as the team comes out and plays well. I think the fans will be there. I, I think there are some fans today who were really upset. Like, I I, I feel bad for the, the 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 father who has to explain to his kid that the team traded his favorite player, the kid with the Mark Andre right. Fleury play, jersey, or the kid who started playing hockey because of Mark Andre Fleury and he wants to be a goalie. Mm -hmm. Like those are those are the as a father, and and you can speak to this as well. If your kid is 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 in love with the player. 
it's hard sometimes to explain to them that their favorite player isn't on the team anymore. So I I think that that will hurt the children, the, the the kids, but I think they'll find new favorites. Like kids are resilient. So I think I think it's yeah, there are some fans who are who are angry today, but like I said, as long as the team is winning, I think those fans will will be back and I don't think it'll be a real issue going forward. So this might seem like a ridiculous question, and it might be, but which trade do you think upset the fan base more? Was it Flurry or was it uh, Ryan Reeves? I think Flurry. I I think because of the the rumors that were out there about Flurry finding out on Twitter. Well, I don't know if that's accurate or not. I'm not going to say one way or another if I believe it, but I think the fact that that rumor was out there and that mm-hmm. a lot of fans saw that. I think that angers a lot of fans because I feel like in their in their mind, and I don't think they're wrong. If it is true. Their their thinking is Mark Andre Fleury deserved better treatment than that, and I think that probably is the aspect that upset the fans because I think I think we knew they were probably going to move a goalie. I think a lot of the fans knew that they were going to move a goalie. I think a lot of it was just being blindsided by it on a Tuesday morning out of the blue at nine a.m. You see that tweet, and then you see his agent saying, "Oh well, he found out on Twitter or." It's been an hour, and we still haven't heard from the organization. Well, I don't know if any of that's true, but I think fans see that, and their initial thought is, well, that's really crappy, and he's the face of the franchise, and he deserves better. And I think I think that's why that trade hurts more. I think, I think there are a lot of people who Ryan Reeves was their favorite player, and I understand yeah. why. And I think that one hurts, but I don't think he was the face of the franchise the way Flurry was. And I, I think that hurts a lot more for, for fans than Ryan Reeves. Yeah, I, I, I might put a poll up. I'm not sure if I'm going to because I, I wasn't sure if I'm just way out of base and, and it's going to be like Marc-Andre Fleury by a landslide. But given some of the sentiments I've seen since yesterday, since the news broke on that Ryan Reeves trade, I feel like there's more um, – there, there's. It could be relatively close, not like super duper close. I don't think it's going to be like a, a 51-49 type situation, but I, I do think that Ryan Reeves might get somewhere in the ballpark of 30 to 35 percent of the vote in terms of it being a little bit more uh, difficult to to stomach or or compartmentalize. So uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll put a poll up. Next I, question. Uh, well, I, and I'll add to this: when you go to games, you see a lot of Ryan Reeves jerseys. So I think he yeah. he's probably maybe more so than he was in other cities. I think he was really embraced, and I think a lot of it is because Ryan Reeves' personality just fit Las Vegas so well, maybe more so than it did in Pittsburgh and St. Louis. Like, he was a guy who kind of embodied the Vegas personality. I mean, he was larger than life. I mean, he's doing he's doing water commercials, telling you not to water your lawn on, on Sundays, and he's selling his own beer. So I think I think he was a lot more popular here than he may have been in other places. Um, I think this is this is a really interesting question, not something I've really ever thought about. But it comes from Billy, and he says, "Do you think the NHL should allow contract restructuring slash extensions for the final year of a deal?" Uh, um, that's an interesting question. You know, I I feel like they should. Um, 
just it, just because like I, I feel like there's an ability to maybe make some things work. There's an ability in that situation where uh, you can kind of placate or play the cap to uh, your advantage in certain situations. Assuming you've got a player that's that's you know willing to do so, uh, you'll end up getting more situations where um, you know you're not looking to buy out players. But um, I I just don't know that that's going to I don't know that that's going to to ever be a thing that happens in hockey. I'd love to see it happen. I like to say that that makes some sense, but I just don't think restructuring deals is going to to work in hockey because I think that start that's going to kind of lead that slippery slope to um, not having guaranteed contracts, and that's not necessarily something that I think works and should work for any of the NHL players because of what they put their bodies through on the line all the time. Um, I don't think that that's something that that's a can of worms that you want to open up. I I like the idea, but I think it it, it kind of circumvents the salary cap in a lot of ways. But imagine Vegas is going into this season with Mark Andre Fleury on the final year of his deal. He's due seven million dollars. If they had the opportunity to extend him and kind of pay him that money over further time, like he's still guaranteed the seven million one way or another. But you're able to kind of space out when you're paying him to create cap space. It makes the offseason a lot more interesting, I think, if you have the option to do that. Now, I'm with you. I don't think it's something that the NHL will ever allow for. I don't see the collective bargaining agreement working out where where the league is okay with that because it does kind of go against the salary cap. But um, it, it really is an interesting dynamic because I think you have this in a couple of other leagues where you're able to restructure deals to make I think the NFL allows that where you could restructure player contracts in order to but the difference with the NFL is none of these contracts are guaranteed so a guy could sign a deal today and by the end of training camp he gets cut and he's gotten nothing out of it so I like it from the aspect that it allows teams to kind of work within or outside the cap but from a player perspective it's not good because if you're not guaranteed money what's really the point yeah, I, I think that's kind of where, where I lean to because you kind of open the door to saying, well, if you're able to restructure deals, then why are we even guaranteeing any money? And if we're not guaranteeing any money, then it, it just kind of creates a situation where I, I think for hockey players specifically and what they do, what they're putting their bodies through, I, I don't want to open the door for a situation where uh, you don't have guaranteed contracts. All right, last one, and it's actually one for you and one for me, and it comes from Timothy Hansford. And he says, Ryan, if you could construct a five-man team plus a goalie from any players in history, I know, this is this is tough, <laughs> who would you choose? And for me, he asked me, what's my favorite Japanese show and anime, if that's your thing? So I'm assuming it'll take okay. you a little bit of time to maybe think, and maybe you want to do it after the break. But I could answer my part of it, and that would be, there's two. I am a big fan of a, of a Japanese show. It's on Netflix. It's called Samurai Gourmet. And it's about a retired old Japanese guy. He's like in his 60s. And he's retired. And his first day of retirement, he really doesn't know what to do. So he decides to go for a walk. And he walks into a restaurant. And he imagines a samurai. And every, every, every episode has a different plot. But he always sees this samurai who lives life the way he really thinks that he is living, but 
it, it's quite different. And he's always eating really amazing food. And it's funny because there's one episode where he gets into an argument with his wife and the samurai is basically telling this. Nobody can see the samurai except him. And in his mind, he's envisioning the samurai yelling at his wife and standing up to her because his wife wears the pants in the family. So he's envisioning that he is standing up to his wife and then she yells at him a little more and he just looks at her and he puts his head down. He's like, I'm sorry. But it's it's an interesting show. It's funny. Actually, a guy who works in the building named Mike, he, he was the one who turned me on to it. But the other show is an anime. It's called High Score Girl. And I, I like it because it takes place when I was a teenager back in the 90s and arcades were the biggest thing. And the show kind of revolves around the Street Fighter video game, Street Fighter 2. And it's a kid who is like 12, 13 years old, and he thinks he's the best at Street Fighter because if anyone remembers the arcades in the 90s, you would line up quarters to play. And when you're, it was your turn, you'd play, but the guy who won got to stay on the, 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 the arcade machine. Uh, so he wins like 50 games in a row. He beats everybody, and then this girl comes along and she kicks his butt. And it's kind of a love story because he, he kind of falls in love with this girl, but then it becomes a love triangle because there's another girl who decides she's going to get really good at video games because she likes him. Um, it's on Netflix as well, High Score Girl. I liked it so much that I actually bought a couple of the books when I was in Japan. They're all in Japanese, so I can't read them, but I think it's kind of cool to have in my my book collection. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's if you like video games, especially if you're my age, because Street Fighter 2 was like the biggest thing in the world when I was a teenager, like right when I was starting high school. And so that's when this takes place. But it's it's enjoyable, it's entertaining, and you can watch it with English subtitles. So I think you can even watch it dubbed in English, but I watch it in Japanese with English subtitles. Okay, so um, that's really awesome and interesting. And I paid attention to, uh, you know, like 75% of it because I was – busy making my five-man team plus <laughs> goaltender and it really wasn't that difficult so i'm going to give you two options chapman because i i feel like we can continue with questions in the next segment correct yeah we can okay fantastic so i've got my team do you want in on this do you want to in this break come up with your five-man team plus goalie and then you and i can both reveal that on the other side of the break or or do you want me to just throw my five out plus the goalie and then be done with it? No, no. I, I would like to construct the five-man team as well, and we can come back and we can we can go through ours after the break. Okay, fantastic. On the other side of the break, we're going to get to Timothy's question. Our ideal, our perfect five-man team plus goaltender, that's on the other side, Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Interact with the guys on Twitter. Follow them at Darren Millard and at Ryan the Hockey Guy. This is the BGK Insider Show. Hour number two rolls along. Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman. Final show before hiatus. We will be back with you in September. Darren Millard will be back in chomping at the bit to yell at Chapman but right now we are answering your questions it was a big extravaganza we put it on Twitter we wanted your best questions you have come through you have delivered and we are delivering answers and before the break we had a great question from Twitter Chapman do you have the question handy can you recall it quickly yes if you could Go construct a five-man team plus a goalie from any players in history which ones would you pick 
Okay, so I've got mine. This was very easy for me. It didn't take me very long at all. Uh, it is quite simply the best combination of five players you're ever going to find, plus the best goalie that ever played the game. So here's my team, and I'll tell you, because I was talking to Chapman throughout the break. This became very difficult for Chris, and I'm not sure why, because <laughs> once you hear my team, it's going to be very clear that I've got the winner. So Alex Ovechkin, he will be the greatest goal scorer to ever play the game. I firmly believe that he can still track down Wayne Gretzky's goal-scoring record. And here's the beautiful thing about it. If he doesn't, you can just blame work stoppages and you know shortened seasons for the reason that he didn't do it. I think Alex Ovechkin's the best goal scorer that ever played the game. Alex Ovechkin's on my wing. And then I've got Mike Bossy on the other side. You talk about two guys that can just score. It's Ovechkin. It's Bossy. I don't think it's particularly close. Those are my wingers, period, end of story. Down the middle, the greatest hockey player to ever play the game, Mario Lemieux. Mario Lemieux. And then... We're going to go to the back end. It's going to be Nick Lidstrom and Bobby Orr because, of course, it is because that just makes too much sense because no one else should be in the consideration there. And then my goaltender, the greatest goalie to ever play the game, Dominic Hasek. You're not going to believe this. My oh, tell me it's the same. My five skaters are all the uh -huh. same. No way. Yes, I've got Ovechkin because, like you said, he is the greatest goal. He, he will be the greatest goal scorer ever. But I just love watching him camp out in the circle in the power play. Like, it's it's like unstoppable. And the thing is, you know he's doing it. Like, that's how good he is. Yeah. You could put two guys out there. Nope, no problem. He's still doing it. Mike Bossy, I think if he doesn't get injured, he may go down as one of the greatest goal scorers ever. I mean, he already is. Every single season he played the game with the exception yeah. of his last season where he still scored 38 goals, he scored over 50 goals in every single season. Ten straight seasons, Bossy scored, I think it was, I'm sorry, yeah, ten straight seasons. He scored um, 50 goals or more. Excuse me, nine straight seasons. 68, 69 in, in a couple of years. 64 another year. Absolutely insane. He was a huge part of that Islanders dynasty, like, I wish I would have gotten to see Mike Bossy play in his prime because I'm I'm just a little too young. He he hung it up in after the '87 season. He was only 30 years old, and he compiled 573 okay. goals. Okay, but Mike Bossy averaged 57.3 goals per game per season. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, and I don't it, think it's, he. It's not particular. I don't think he really gets just, the credit he deserves either. No, he he doesn't because you know if if he did, like he, we would be talking about him in a, in in much the same way that we talk about Alex Ovechkin, much the same way we talk about Wayne Gretzky for for when it comes to scoring goals, when it comes to to being a guy that just did it every single year. Uh, it's hard to to discount what Mike Bossy did. He's just uh, he was absolutely phenomenal, and unfortunately, it was it was a quick career and it ended suddenly. Uh, but you know, it, the, one of the best goal scorers, if not the second best goal scorer to ever play the game. Yeah, and on the back end, Nick Lidstrom, best team man to ever play the game. I mean, it's it's not even. I don't even think it's a discussion. Seven Norris trophies, over fifteen hundred points. The guy had over fifteen hundred. Points, four Stanley Cups. He won the Conn Smythe. Hard to argue against him. And, and Bobby Orr, I think, 
He's another guy. His his career was cut short by injury, but man, when he was in his prime, he's another guy. I really wish I would have gotten to see play in his prime, but anybody should go out and find a, any documentary they can find on Bobby Orr, whether it's on YouTube or, or somewhere else. The guy was just incredible. He was so far ahead of his time. I mean, I I could I think he's the kind of guy who, regardless of error, he would have been just phenomenal. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. Now I I know that we are in agreement on Ovechkin, <laughs> Lemieux, Bossy, Lidstrom, or and and hold on real quick, um, because I want to know what what went into your decision to go with Lemieux over Gretzky. Well, it's close. But I think when I listen to people who know the game a lot better than I do, they always seem to go with the argument that Lemieux was was better than Gretzky. Like Gretzky, I guess I I don't know. It's like I I I I hear people breaking it down, and like I said, people who are a lot smarter than me when it comes to this stuff, they always seem to side with Lemieux. I guess for the fact that maybe he did it in, in a little bit of a different way, but. Those Edmonton teams were loaded, too. And I'll, the, the thing is, Wayne Gretzky didn't win a Stanley Cup without Mark Messier. Mark Messier won two okay. without Wayne Gretzky. Yep. So yep. I not to say that that diminishes what Gretzky accomplished, but, I mean, that that, that is there. And, and I think it's something that maybe factors in a little bit. I mean, Lemieux, he went back-to-back with Pittsburgh, and that's pretty impressive. He did it in, in, a, in a different era as well different time than those Edmonton teams not not too much difference in, in years but it was there and I, I it's close but I just I, I liked watching Lemieux play I got to see him a lot more because obviously Pittsburgh being in the east coast I got to see the Penguins a lot more than I got to see the Kings or the Oilers so maybe it's a little bit of a bias as well just because I got to watch Mario a little bit more than I got to watch Gretzky but yeah I'm curious why you picked Lemieux over Gretzky well he's the best player to ever play the game. And so for me, when it comes to Lemieux versus Gretzky in that debate, first and foremost, um, Wayne Gretzky was an L.A. King at the right time in order for me to become a, a hockey fan growing up in L.A. That all being said, the best years of Wayne Gretzky were behind him when I was introduced to hockey. And in terms of Mario Lemieux, in, in my formative hockey-watching years, I got to watch Mario in his prime, right? Like I got to see the absolute best of Mario Lemieux in his prime when I got into hockey, and there wasn't really a player in the league with the size and the skill and the strength and the creativity and the ability to just take a game over. Gretzky, I'm not going to discount the records. I'm not going to say that he shouldn't be considered among the very best, but I just I prefer the game of Mario Lemieux. I prefer the fact that he was able to do it in so many different ways. To me, he is the best hockey player that has ever, ever played the game. Yeah, and, and I guess some of his stats, they just jump off the board. Four seasons yeah. with over 200 points. I mean, we'll, we'll never see any. I don't know if we'll ever see a guy get to 200 points again, let alone four times in his career. Um you know, when I got to watch a lot of Gretzky, it was when he was with the Rangers, and at that point, his career was pretty much, I don't want to say it was over, but it was definitely winding down. Uh, I think yeah. everyone forgets the time he played in St. Louis. It's like, 
Although I, I, I w- I'm always waiting to see that guy who shows up at a game with a Wayne Gretzky St. Louis Blues jersey. I'm yet to see one, but I know <laughs> at some point it's going to happen. I, I, I want to see it happen just because I think it would be so cool to see. It's like, dude, he played like 25 games with the Blues. <laughs> yeah. But his career with the Blues lasted longer than Martin Brodeur's. But, uh, you know, it's it's I, well, Gretzky's <laughs> numbers, like when you really look into it, they're just ridiculous. It's it's. It's yeah. almost like it's a cheat code in a video game, but the team he played on was absolutely loaded too. So many Hall of Famers, and credit to the Oilers for for being able to do what they did for so long. But it was a different time. It was it was it was the early to mid '80s. I mean, they were the team that ended the Islanders dynasty, and then they started their own dynasty. But it, it's tough. It's always close. But I think. Like I said, it's it's maybe a little bit of a bias with me because I got to watch Mario a lot more than I got to watch Wayne. And the funny thing is, when I would play video games as a kid, I always liked playing with the Penguins more than I liked playing with the Kings because I liked playing with Yarmir Yager too because he has the greatest hair, I think, in the history of hockey. Yeah, I don't think that that's up for debate much. Yarmir Yager, the best mullet for sure in hockey. And, you know, when you talk about those 200-point seasons for Wayne Gretzky, the only guy that ever got within striking distance of 200 points was Lemieux in 88-89 with 199 points because that has to be frustrating for Mario to look back on his hockey reference page. But what's amazing about that, (laughs) that 199-point season, he didn't win the heart. He finished second in Hart Trophy voting with 199 points. Who won Just it? Just let that sink in for a minute. My guess is it was Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. Give me a second to, to check that. <laughs> but my guess is it was probably Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, Gretzky has a couple, just a couple of hearts. Nine. <laughs> nine, yeah, I, I, listen, nine, I, nine Hart I, trophies, I, ten Art Ross trophies. To go along with five Lady Bings. Everyone likes the Lady Bing trophy. Okay, let's see. 88, 89. Wayne Gretzky. Oh, that is robbery. Oh, he man. only had 114 robbery. points that year. He had a, oh, I'm sorry, 168. No, he, had 100, he had 168 points. How in the world? Honest, like, answer me this, because I think we've uncovered one of the greatest robberies in heart trophy voting that has ever, ever come to be. Ever. In 88-89, his first year with the LA Kings, Wayne Gretzky had 168 points and only 54 goals. And Mario Lemieux had 199 points with 85 goals, and he didn't win the Hart Trophy. That was that was not a good year for Mario. He he got robbed in the Hart, what? and he missed out on 200 points by one point. By the way, how about Gretzky's 1981-82 season when he had 92 goals? <laughs> In 80 games. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, a it's cheat dumb. Code. It, it really is. But I'll tell you right now, I, I'm absolutely shocked, shocked that Mario Lemieux lost the Hart Trophy in 88-89 with 199 points to Wayne Gretzky when Gretzky had 168. Like, Here's what we could do. That's not even like... That's ridiculous. There, there was a, a, a former player for the Red Sox named Mike Greenwell. He finished second for MVP voting. I think it was either 88 or 89. So right around the same time, he finished yeah. second to Jose Canseco, who admitted that he was 
taking steroids at the time. So Greenwell petitioned Major League Baseball to take the MVP award away from Canseco and give it to Mike Greenwell. I don't think that's going to happen here, but man, you're right. That's that's ridiculous. How does how does that happen? The guy has 199 points and finishes second. Makes that, no sense. That blows me away. All right, let's 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 finish this up. This this entire conversation. It was a great question, Tim uh, Timothy. I, I went with Hashik. I I already know you went with Broder. Yes. And like, why did you feel the need to co- to go with a compiler as your starting goaltender? Because he's the best goalie ever. No, he's not. And I'm I'm biased. He played for the Devils, so I I, I have to get a New Jersey Devil on my team because I left off Scott Stevens and Scott Niedermeyer, who really weren't even in consideration. I love them both. Yeah, but I was ne- going to say ne- neither like, one of them were really in consideration. So when you were going through this, and I was like, "Oh, are you going to go with Niedermeyer or or Scott Stevens?" Like, at, at what point did you say, "Huh, I actually didn't even consider that"? As soon as you asked it. Like, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, Scott Stevens is probably a fringe top 10, top 15 defenseman of all time. Niedermeyer probably in the same realm. They're not on the level of Lidstrom or Bobby Orr. I mean, I, I, I even considered Ray Bork, who was absolutely amazing as well. But, yeah, n- neither of those guys were ever in consideration for me. Never even crossed my mind. That's amazing. Well, you know what? Great minds think alike when it comes to skaters, and you know what? You'll just have to be wrong when it comes to goaltenders. Dominic Hasek, the greatest goalie to ever play the game. My lineup is perfect. It is pristine, and it would win every single Stanley Cup in the history of ever. That is my bold proclamation today. Uh, Also, I just don't understand how Mario Lemieux lost the Hart Trophy to Wayne Gretzky in 1988-89. That's ridiculous. It is unfounded. It shouldn't stand. It is a stain on the game. I am livid. I am livid right now, and I didn't (laughs) even know what happened because I was only two years old when it did. Anyway, that all being said, we're back to wrap it up next. Catching up with Chapman coming up on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Wrapping it up on a Friday, VGK Insider Show, last show for a little while anyway. It's time for catching up with Chapman. And, you know, Chapman, I'm going to hand it over to you. And I can't wait to see where you go with this. Yeah, I I was going to go and and wish everyone a happy August and all that. And I'll do that. Happy August, everybody. But we were talking in the break. And I am still flabbergasted at how Mario Lemieux did not win the Hart Trophy in a season in which he scored 85 goals. That is the fourth most goals ever scored in an NHL season. And the guy doesn't win the Hart Trophy. Now, you had an interesting... uh, or thought in the break about how that was Gretzky's first season in Los Angeles. And maybe that had something to do with it, but the fourth most goals in NHL season, I actually completely forgot that Brett Hull had an 86 goal season. He did it in 1991 Gretzky top two, 92 goals and 87 goals. Surprisingly coming in at fifth, Phil Esposito, Alexander McGillney, and Timu Solani all tied with 76. Somehow McGillney's still not in the Hall of Fame. Drives me nuts. He certainly belongs in the Hall of Fame because everyone else around him is in. Mm-hmm. 
but he's out. He's yeah. on the outside looking in, but 85 goals. Imagine that. 199 points, 85 goals, but yeah, that's not good enough to win the heart. That would be like McDavid not winning the heart trophy this year. Yeah, it's insane. Um, he he outpaced Wayne Gretzky by 31 points and didn't win the heart trophy. He had 40 what more a, goals. What a ridiculous 30 travesty. more goals. It's insane. We will talk to you in September. Take care of each other. We'll see you then.